What's going on, everyone? Paul George in studio. Welcome to the show. Right here, right next to Deacon Adam Conk. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? It's going great. Happy to be here again. Another week in the studio with old Paul George. We keep cranking out the shows. That's right. <laughs> Even through the holidays. That's right. We're here for, to preach the gospel in season, out of season, you know? Yeah, well, speaking of seasons, we were in the season of Advent. We've kind of been doing an Advent theme of shows, obviously, sticking to the season, which is very brilliant of us, by the way, you know. Yeah, that's groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have to think so hard about themes <laughs> of shows. Thank God the church has seasons. Yes. We'd be bored to You're death. You're right. An endless supply of content. Yeah, we are in the middle of Advent, as you know. So everyone listening in, it's kind of at that point of Advent. We're about, you know, hit the third Sunday of Advent. We get that pink candle, the, the joy, the, the you know, the of the Lord mm-hmm. and this, this point in Advent, you know, Advent's not as long as Lent. Like if you had like that, that, you know, point where you're just like, man, I need a break, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Lent, like you get into that point where you're like, man, I need a little, I need to come up for air, you know? Yeah. Lent can be long. Oh yeah. Advent's not so much. Plus we in the middle of kind of this real, in, obviously anticipation of Christmas, which is coming. Yeah, you know, this past Sunday, second Sunday of Advent, I kind of forgot the whole new candle thing. And at night, so at night as a family, we actually turn all the lights off to do our night prayer during Advent. Mm-hmm. And so the the candles get brighter. And then on December 13th, we light our start lighting our Christmas tree, so it gets even brighter, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, so I uh, had a little moment where that second candle was lit. My kid lit the second candle, and I, I didn't see it coming. And it was like twice as bright as it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Wow. He's getting close. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this 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 coming Sunday, very soon, he's getting real close, and so we'll like that third candle, and um, it's time. It's time to get immediate preparation for Christmas. I'm I'm so excited about Christmas this year, Paul. I don't know why. I guess I am like this every year, but I am fired up about Christmas this year. Well, I'm I'm happy for you. Ready to get to it. You know, we're we have a four year old at the house. Okay, so you have a lot of kids, uh, and then I have older kids. But we're back at the point where you can't light a candle in the house, and it stays lit. That's right. Because <laughs> she wants to blow air out every candle. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's and true. I'm like, no, I want the candle to stay lit. Well, I'm like, no, I want to blow it out. Okay, let's just blow it out. Like, yeah. whatever. And I'm, I'm guessing she can even climb to, to higher She can get wherever areas. she wants at this yeah. point, right? So yeah. it's just, the, just blow out the candle, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know. Anyway, it's good. But, you know, having a little one around the house, it, it kind of reminds you of the joy and the innocence of the whole season of Advent and Christmas. And it kind of calls you back to, to that childlike faith, mm-hmm. you know, um, when, when you can get stressed about, you know, gifts and money and shopping and you really get wrapped up. I think adults probably struggle with Advent and Christmas more than anyone because mm-hmm. we're in this this – season of life where like it is more stressful you know than obviously you want to go back and i just want to be a kid for christmas again and maybe that's sort of the invitation is to regain this childlike faith during the season of advent so we can celebrate christmas with that anticipated joy you know yeah that's a great way to put it you know these readings this week reminded me of that reality because they're kind of the first readings in particular, kind of calling us back. So this idea of being young again, you know, like God's people in the Old Testament had gone astray. 
um, were led into captivity because they were worshiping false gods. They had forgotten the commandments. They had whatever. And then Isaiah and, and all these prophets are calling calling us back to the beginning, you know, like that first love, that youth that you were talking about. You know, when God's people was very young and God had brought them out of slavery, things seemed, you know, uh, simple. You know, God saved us, and so we should be his people. And then things get complicated as we get older and grown up and adult. You know, everything's so complex. But back to the simplicity of being a child and, and belonging to Jesus, um, yeah, it's, it's that time of year. Yeah, pay attention. We'll talk about it a little bit in the show. To the second reading this Sunday, pay attention. It, it's so interesting that this second reading is placed in the middle of Advent, you know. So that's just a little preface. Wow. But here we go. So do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, so... You know, the COVID um, cultural reset that we experienced of just everything being different for like a year and a half. Mm. Um, I can't, I don't, I don't remember. You remember that? Well, there are a lot of things that are starting up again oh. that haven't happened in a while. That's great. And one of them, it, people are very excited up in New Hampshire. I'm sorry, in New Maine, in Maine, not New Maine, Maine, to welcome back the annual, apparently, um, Santa Ski Fies- Fiesta. Mm. Yes. So every year, um, more than 250 Santas ski on the slopes in Maine at a Western resort there. Um, That's impressive. To raise money for charity. It's all for, for good. That's great. But they ha- weren't able to do it last year. Um, and so anyway, they're actually like killing it when it comes to raising money this oh, year. Because everybody's so excited to see the Santas skiing it. So... Um, you know, if it's not too late to donate money if you want, I guess. But uh, yeah, so there's this picture that's pretty awesome of like all these Santa Claus, two hundred Santas going down a mountain, skiing down a mountain <laughs> to raise money. You know, I think like there we have creative fundraisers or events down in Louisiana. Like if, if you've never been, you come. There's festivals every weekend in different seasons, music festivals. You know, the school you work at, John Paul the Great, does a. Uh, a gumbo cook-off mm-hmm. for a fundraiser. This is one event that we could never do. That's correct. Here, we could never do Santa's snow skiing because one, we don't have mountains or hills, and we don't have the most important thing: snow. Snow. We <laughs> really don't. I mean, really, every seven years, there's enough snow to like make a snowball and throw it at somebody. Mm-hmm. That'd be probably the best we can do. Is every seven years, like priests throwing snowballs at each other? Who's going to win? I don't know, but. Yeah, that's something we can never do, so kudos to them. I, I'm also always impressed by f- creative fundraising ideas. Like, that's pretty creative. The, Why the, don't we just have Santa skiing and people will give us money? I mean, we have the <laughs> festival that goes down the bayou, you know, with the monstrance. I mean, mm-hmm. we have all sorts of creative things, but this this is one that we, you know, we cannot do here. <laughs> I mean, I'll just give you insight. Seven years ago, I think it did snow, and, you know, what do you do when it snows in Louisiana? Well... All I had was a water tube, a ski tube that you pull behind a boat, right? And so I put that on a rope behind an ATV and pulled my kids <laughs> really? through the snow on a on a ski tube. That's awesome. But not a not a like a snow ski tube, a water ski tube. <laughs> Did it That's work? what you do in Louisiana. That's yeah. what you do if it ever snows. Nice. So, well maybe next time you can use it to raise money. Same idea. Ski, you know, ATV ski your children. You have to wait every seven years for the fundraiser. (laughs) 
the great ice storm every seven years that hits hits Louisiana. That's right. You know. So anyway, the uh, I don't know. I, I I do think that that childlike faith. I mean, that's a fun kind of thing, like an event, mm-hmm. and you kind of hear about those things during this season. It's like this time of year brings out you know the good and bad you know in our culture and our society you know i think you go shopping or you around more people are tell you hi or merry christmas or happy holidays if they don't want to say christmas because that's sort of the the woke thing to say right mm-hmm. um happy winter happy happy wintery <laughs> uh, you know but i you know i have been telling people happy advent more you know mm-hmm. and you know we were sitting around the table last night as a family having dinner not all of us, because not all of us live at home. I do live at home now. <laughs> and um, I, I was kind of trying to make the point to my kids, and, and they, they just didn't want to hear it, is uh, <laughs> I wish Advent was just by itself. And what I mean is I know that Advent is leading to this Christmas, but I just wish for the season of Advent and for this great sort of waiting and quietness and simplicity of the season of Advent and the the walk with Mary and Joseph and, and this this journey this it, that just seems to like just feel peaceful mm-hmm. that that Christmas just wasn't Christmas in our society like it would oh, it yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. it didn't bleed in so much mm-hmm. you know like I wish that we waited for Christmas after Advent like we really did but we don't at least mm-hmm. we don't and culturally we don't we see it all over. And so it's really, really difficult to focus on Advent when Christmas just bleeds so much into it. That well, was my point. Well, I think you're bringing up a real opportunity for the church, especially in like small towns or very locally. You really can, as Catholic business owners or as Catholic uh, consumers, you really can help build a Catholic culture by bringing back Advent. You know, like if you've got... If you've got this itch to put out all the Christmas stuff in your office lobby or a room or whatever, but you're also, you know, a Catholic, well, what if you put out an Advent wreath instead? What if you put out a nativity scene without the baby Jesus so people have to ask, where's Jesus? And where'd he explain, go? Yeah. Where'd he go? Um, you could actually start an Advent revolution, which would only benefit Christmas. Mm-hmm. It would only make Christmas better. Now, I'm an Advent nerd, and so are you. you are, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like a you know, bring back Advent type, you know, hashtag or <laughs> make Advent great again, make, yeah. make Advent great again. That would, that would be my, my, my plug. But, you know, as, as you know, I'm journeying through Advent just personally, I think the thing that keeps it most focused is having a consistent prayer time mm-hmm. and, and, and the readings and everything that exists in Advent, it keeps you from moving forward. Like we're still at this place where John the Baptist is in the scene. You know, like Jesus isn't here yet, you know, and we're like, well, why is John the Baptist here right now? Well, because like, this is where we're at, right? Like we're not at Christmas. We're in this preparation. We're in this, this, this time where, you know, the Lord's not here yet. The Messiah the, and, and the readings keep, keep holding us there, right? Like mm-hmm. this, this, this time of waiting, this time of, of anticipation and excitement and that is sort of this Christmas, you know, you start to see the gifts under the tree and, and woo, the, you know, there is some excitement that builds in. So it has to bleed in a little because you, you're waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the Messiah to come, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the great gift. I can't imagine. I think we, we obviously sit on 
on the back end of history here, right? I can't imagine what it was like to be a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, right? Over 2,000 years ago, literally waiting mm-hmm. and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, right? Um, and you're talking about thousands and thousands of years ago of the Israelites, the 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 Jewish culture and religion focused on like the Messiah's coming to rescue us and save us. Like our deliverer is coming. He's the one that's going to come. And many, many generations passed away, never knowing that. And, and, you know, we already know that Jesus came and is here with us and present with us, you know? Yeah. And I think the point you bring up earlier to bring it full circle is, is to find our youth again as a people is to remember that joy of being with God, of being with the Messiah, of being with Jesus, as if we'd been waiting a long time for this moment. I mean, joy only follows that desire, that longing. Like when we're, you know, this is part of Christmas. You, you wait, you wait, and then it comes, and there's a joy that comes. And that experience needs to be recaptured every year so that we can remember that it's good to be with God. It's good to be with Jesus. This is a this is a fulfillment of every one of our longing and desires. And the problem with that is when we have Jesus year-round, which we do as Christians, we forget how much we long for him and desire him. And so this is a season of recapturing that longing and that desire. And like you said, to remember the people of the Old Testament how much they must have longed for this and to recapture that for ourselves. That's why we sing, O come and come, Emmanuel, um, using that word intentionally, Emmanuel, because that was the prophecy that God would give us Emmanuel, and we long for him even though we have him. That's the weird thing about Advent. Like, we have Jesus here around, but we long for him still. Yeah, I was reading in the Psalms this week and, and just kind of like praying, and there was a psalm that, that really hit me where he used the word, you know, D- David was using the word, my deliverer, like come and rescue us, my deliverer, like this great anticipation, like the Lord was going to come and r- literally rescue us, save us. Right. And just that hope and anticipation and desire to be saved and rescued. You know, I, I don't think oftentimes like we, we, pray with such desire, you know, and, and need It's part of our culture kind of pushes away from needing God. And, you know, I think more than anything, that's what we need the most. All right. When we come back, we got a weird Catholic stuff. And, and then I want to get to the second reading. Cause I think it, it really does something for us. All right. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in here on KLFT Radio and at Katiana or on the podcast, wherever you are. Thanks for being a part of the show. We're on show like, how many shows have we done? This is episode 185. 185? Yeah. Hmm. 
Of just this show? Of just this show. Hmm. That's crazy. You've done a lot of episodes of shows. Because, <laughs> I mean, this is this is like part two of the Paul George story with Catholic Radio. Yeah. There's the Padre and Paul show. That was two years, right? Yeah. Yeah, I miss Father Sibley. I need, mm-hmm. We need to call him and see how he's doing. We should just get him as a guest like every now and then. Yeah, it'd be fun to hear the difference between like parish ministry life, particularly busy parish ministry life, and right. then like seminary life. Yeah. What effect that has on your soul. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> resting, you know, because he's on the semester schedule now teaching. So, you know, he's probably after finals week, you know, going to just, I don't really know. I should call him and find out. Good for him. Good for him. All right. So you have a weird Catholic stuff. What? Unbelievable. That's weird. Weird Catholic stuff. Yeah. So, um, Saint, the feast of St. Nicholas was this week. It was on Monday, December 6th. And of course, we all know St. Nicholas is the basis for uh, Santa Claus. Santa means Saint Claus is like Nicholas, right? So I just thought I'd share, this isn't necessarily weird, but it's unknown, and it might change your perception of Santa Claus a little bit. Okay, because I do have a perception. Okay, so this this might challenge that perception with a little bit of truth about old St. Nicholas. Mm. Three rapid-fire stories about St. Nicholas. Okay. One... So the whole generosity thing, you know, and giving gifts to people started, you may not realize this, but there was this guy who was about to sell his daughters into prostitution to pay off debts. Mm-hmm. And he, St. Nicholas found out about this. And so he dropped gold coins through the window enough to pay off the debt so he wouldn't have to sell his daughters into prostitution. That's a good, that was a good thing to do. So every time you make Christmas gifts for your children, just remember that story. That's the point of gifts. Hmm. All right. Redeeming people. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Second story. So um, it's a popular legend. I don't know if we can say this is like definite historical fact, but remember, St. Nicholas was a guy at the Council of Nicaea who punched Arius in the face. Arius was the famous heretic who started, you know, inspired the Council of Nicaea to uh, condemn Arianism. And he was very smart and brilliant, and he kept giving these answers as the council was grilling him that kind of evaded the question, but basically he was saying that Jesus wasn't God, that Jesus was created by the Father. And every time the bishops of the council would try to nail him on that to be able to condemn the heresy, he would kind of skirt the, you know, in a very sly political way. Hmm. So Nicholas just had enough and he went down and uh, punched him in the face. You know, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> like that a little bit, not in a violent way, but hey, like wake up, you know, when <laughs> he slapped heretics, that's kind yeah. of one of his, his legends, you yeah. know? So maybe, you know, if you tell your stories to your children about Santa coming down the chimney, maybe mention how he slapped a heretic on the way down. I don't know. Yeah, you know, we did celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas this past this week, you mm-hmm. know, on uh, December 6th. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you're a heretic, slap yourself. <laughs> you know, every now and then I kind of do slap myself. Like, wake up, Paul. Yeah. Like, snap out of it, you know? St. Like, Nicholas, slap me. And, and figuratively, like, even spiritually, like, I need people in my life to slap me. Like, Rick, honestly. Like, well, maybe you need slapping Snap Santa. out of it. Wake up. Stop doing that. Like, don't act that way. Like, we need, we need, say, that we need that in our life. Well, let me get you a slapping Santa for Christmas. <laughs> and uh, the third story, so... He was the bishop of Myrna in Turkey, and he was a very good bishop, obviously, because he's a saint. But he had gone on some kind of 
apostolic journey, some missionary whatever to a, another place, came back. And when he came back, he found that the governor or the you know the civil authority there was executing three men. Hmm. And he was furious because apparently he was not a fan of execution. That's... So he literally goes to the execution. It's taking place. Like they're about to execute these three men and grabs the sword out of the executioner's hands and fusses at him and then goes right to the governor. You better not ever do that again. And so he's not a fan of the death penalty. But hmm. he literally takes the sword out of the executioner's hands in his, you know, clerical garb. So uh, anyway, that's that's the real Santa Claus. That Well, I like that Santa Claus a little bit better, <laughs> honestly. That that bravery. Uh, I mean, we, you know, like, what's happened to that? Like in, mm. in, the, in the church and our culture of just that boldness, you know, we're all afraid that we're going to get, you know— canceled in the wokeness you know yeah. for being bold or speaking out or brave or whatever yeah i've never gotten arrested for trying to stop an execution i've never done that yet but i guess i can i could find out where they are walk right in and try to keep it from happening i could do that right like saint nick yes yeah but i, mean, I don't <laughs> i mean and that's really honestly the saint nicholas that we should tell our kids about more than anything you know mm. I mean, not to, to divulge too much, but we don't we don't really do Santa Claus in our home. I have nothing against people who do Santa Claus, so don't don't be like, "Hey, you're such a snob." I really <laughs> do not care, honestly. Right. You do whatever traditions and fun you like, but it, it just kind of happened upon our family when our first was born, and one of the things that we did, and we 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 try to do, but we did more than when we had less kids and more time, in a sense, is. We would adopt a, a family in poverty and buy gifts and then deliver them to their house, be with them. And we did that every year mm. as part of, you know, our, our giving and, and tithe. And, you know, we had some pretty intense encounters with, like, folks in their home and, and like, you know, the their poverty and, and the joy of, like, just receiving gifts and whatnot. And we were living in Atlanta, and we – went to this family's house and, and it was, it was awesome, beautiful and sad. And we were driving away and my daughter was maybe, maybe, you know, three, I, you know, was young. She was young. And she said, I'll allow, she just asked us a very, you know, you know, straight question and said, I don't understand why Santa bring those folks presents. And we couldn't lie to her. Mm -hmm. And we just had to say, actually, Santa doesn't bring him presents. We do. And Santa doesn't bring you presents. We do, right? Like, mm -hmm. like that's, the, that's the truth. That's the reality. So I'm not against people, the, the, the fun and the pretending and all that. What I'm saying is, like, the, the, the roof got taken off for us. Like, it, it just got blown up. And we, it just, you know... Before we knew it, we, we were just living in the reality of Christmas, both helping the poor, both understanding that what Christmas was about. And it was through our three-year-old that we it just made us laser focus on what Christmas was really was. So then, you know, we have fun with Santa, and it's, it's sort of like this, you know, fun character. But we don't do the whole Santa thing because it, it just, for us as a family, has taken away how difficult it already is to put the focus on 
Jesus at Christmas, right? Yeah, it already is tough enough, yeah. You know, that reminds me of a recent um, address that Archbishop Gomez, Archbishop of Los Angeles, and I got to give a shout out to Archbishop Gomez for this address. It was very bold and courageous and spot on, but he was in Europe recently, and he was speaking at some kind of conference they were having there, but he was asked a question about like, kind of like social justice wokeism in the United States and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's related to what you're talking about, I promise. Anyway, but in that address, he talks about the secularism is a false religion that fills the vacuum of the true religion. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there's no better icon of that than Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing against any harmless, wholesome traditions that families decide are great for them yeah and great fun. yeah absolutely but we must be careful that we're not trying to fill the the void of true religion in the hearts of our children and our people by a secularized version of religion mm-hmm. um, because when it comes to you know the magic of the season the you know imagination and all these things god gave us something to fill that to imagine the stable at Bethlehem, to imagine being there when the angels are singing glory to God in the highest, to imagine the real St. Nicholas, and he's alive, and he's your friend, and he's an interceding for you from heaven. Like, there is plenty there to capture the heart and mind and attention of a child that we don't need a secularized, uh, false religion taking place. And so, anyway, kudos to Archbishop Gomez. And if you want to look that address up, it's really not about Christmas. You'll probably be disappointed. <laughs> but I'm using what he said to make the point here. But it's a great address um, that everyone should read. And we should caution ourselves that we're not we're not getting swept up in secularism, but we're building Christian culture and Catholic culture in particular. Yeah, I mean, it. Look, the the whole point is like we all have to fight. Uh, to focus on our faith mm-hmm. in every season, in every day of our life. We have to really be intentional about f- making our faith our focus. Now, in Advent and Christmas, it makes it a little bit more difficult because, you know, culturally, there there's so many distractions, right? And, and competitors, not just distractions, but... And that's the thing. These things are in competition with one another. Yeah. You, you have to make a choice. Yeah. And it could be both and in a sense of all the traditions and the fun. Uh, all I'm saying is whoever's listening, like you have to be intentional about how you're going to focus on Christ during Advent and Christmas. And however you do that, do it, but do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the way we do it and the way you do it as a family are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. And But you're at least trying to intentionally, you know, make that happen which which kind of leads into this the second reading this sunday like you know you you were saying at the break like the second reading is like the lost reading at yeah. mass right well every sunday like the church gives us an old testament reading and a gospel that fulfills it mm-hmm. that's kind of the main drama and then throws in the second reading that's usually disconnected and you have to like you know the homilist needs to kind of stretch a bit to connect them but like they're not necessarily connected, so it's kind of the unsung hero. But y'all, Saint Paul, in New Testament wisdom, like this is this is our faith lived out in the second reading, you know? Yeah, I mean it's sort of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, the readings. Mm. You put them all together, it's really good. And look, I'll eat a peanut butter sandwich, you know, the Old Testament, the Gospel. I mean, you put that together, and it, it's fulfilling, right? Mm-hmm. Literally <laughs> fulfilling. But. You put that second reading in there, sometimes it's that jelly. 
you know, and that's like, yeah. that's like the kicker. You see what I'm saying? Oh, and, yeah. And we can zone out. What I have found um, just for me is that the more and more I read the Sunday readings before I go to Mass, I'm definitely way more focused in Mass. Mm-hmm. You know, if I re- read the readings prior, you know, I personally like to get to, to church early and sit pray and read the readings again. I like to read them in my prayer time. So, I mean, I like to really marinate on the readings. Sometimes they hit me, sometimes they don't. Then the homily comes and it's like, oh, that's what it means. So it, it, it all comes together. But this one, this Sunday, like I, I think it's, it's real interesting that the church places it here right in the middle of Advent, right? And it is from St. Paul, the Philippians, you know, chapter four, it says, brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord always. And so we're at this season of Advent where it's it's the third Sunday of Advent. You know, we're going to light the pink candle and, you know, the joy of the Lord. But here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. So I'm reminding you twice to rejoice. Now, he's going to go into what steals the joy or the rejoicing, those two things, right? It says, your kindness should be, should be known to all, right? This is Advent. This is Christ. The Lord is near. So then he goes on to say, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Boom. I mean, that's a whole homily right there. Yeah. So he he gives like the bookends of like what, like rejoice, and this is how, but in the middle, he says this, and and he names it, have no anxiety at all. And I think that that's the tension that we're all experiencing for the most part in Advent and Christmas is there's, there's this twinge of anxiety. There's this tinge of like, man, I, I got a lot going on. It's the end of the year. I'm stressed. I'm shopping. I, I got kids and money and budget and a job and whatever. And, and there's this twinge of anxiety that kind of hangs over our head uh, during this season. And St. Paul is really pulling us out of that, you know. Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, right? And I find that he's an interesting person to give this message because sometimes when we look back at St. Paul, we get a sense of kind of like a um, a curmudgeon maybe, like a Jerome type. You know, like the Pharisee who is willing to kill Christians and mm-hmm. zealous for the law who becomes a you know becomes Christian. Um, maybe, he, you know, the guy who couldn't get along with Barnabas anymore, so they parted ways. Or the, Peter. He didn't get along Peter. with Peter. <laughs> I mean, like kind of a, a, a rough personality, let's say. But, you know, maybe not. This kind of reading and this kind of message from him reveals the, the depth of his heart beyond the personalities, beyond the whatever, is like, choose joy. Rejoice. Have no anxiety at all. This, this, this message from him, I think, is so compelling because it tells me, beyond his own personality, behind his own tendencies, he's found something... Um, that's given him joy that he's had to choose. And when you, when people say things like, have no anxiety at all, that's either from a place of like, their personality is such that they don't worry about stuff. Well, that's easy for you. Mm-hmm. But that's not St. Paul. That's not St. Paul. That's not his personality. When he says no anxiety at all, that's coming from a person who's had to choose no anxiety at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. A person who was very worried about a lot of things. He was a, a keeper of the law to the least detail. Like he was a worry guy, right? Like he was a guy who was anxious, probably. 
and he's chosen to not have anxiety. So most of the people listening right now struggle with anxiety in yeah. general. Right. And like you said, at this time of the year, increase all of it. Yeah. Here in St. Paul, a person who's in the midst of that same kind of personality has chosen to rejoice and have no anxiety, and that's the advice he's giving. Yeah, and he doesn't say, look, I don't have anxiety, so you shouldn't. That's not what he's saying. And you're right. Like, he's probably saying this out of a place of his own prayer. Like, have, mm -hmm. let us have no anxiety at all, right? Like, let, let's get rid of it and rejoice in the Lord. Look, and look, um, this hits me because, you know, we can all admit, yeah, I mean, stress, like, worry, like, anxiety, it's all here. Like, I experience it, you do. And this is the proclamation of St. Paul. I mean, even thousands of years ago, like he's talking about anxiety. Like it, it's not like this is, this has been a part of the human condition forever, you know? And, you know, people say, well, you know, things today are a lot more stressful than they were then. I don't know. How do you prove that? You know, like it, there's no way to prove it. Like the, the human heart and, and the mind, no matter in what season or history we lived in has experienced worry and fear and anxiety. And, you know, like we live longer now, they died earlier then. I'd be pretty anxious, you know, when I got into my forties, right? <laughs> That's like, right. We're like, man, life's coming to a close, <laughs> man. I could catch a disease and die tomorrow. Yeah. Today we're like, oh, there's modern technology. You live longer. I got medicine. Like, and, and then the, there's all these things But he, he says, you know, I have no anxiety at all, but, but in everything, and this, this is sort of like, where it comes, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understandings will guard your heart and minds, right? Like, like this idea of prayer and thanksgiving, gratitude, guards your heart and your mind, our hearts and minds from this anxiety that, that wants to press in on us, right? Mm -hmm. That's not going anywhere. It's out there. It wants to press in on us. And the way we guard our hearts and minds in that is by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, and remember that the Lord tells us, do not worry about tomorrow for today's evils are sufficient for themselves. Like these are the words of Jesus Christ. And I think St. Paul is showing us how to practically apply that because if I, if I have a laundry list of things I'm anxious about, I can pour out my heart to God about those things in petition and in prayer Every day if I need to, right? <clears throat> Sufficient for the day is its own evils. But the guard he's talking about, that peace he's talking about, is that after I've made my petition, after I've asked God to then now trust that he's going to take care of it, and the rest of the day I don't have to hold it. Because I mean, anxiety is the holding on to things mentally, emotionally, just letting them burden us over time. And St. Paul is saying the Lord wants us to pray for these things every day. Yes, pray for them, but not in such a way that I'm going to carry this all day as a burden and as a weight, but that I'm going to trust it. You know, like, so for example, a lot of us, Paul, our, our children, our siblings, our parents might be away from the faith right now. And especially around times like Christmas, this weighs on our hearts, you know, like we want to get together and, and um, go to mass together. We want to make confessions together. We want to you know, like do the Catholic thing together, but for some reason our child, our sibling, our parent, um, our spouse is just not into it right now, and this weighs on our heart. And so St. Paul is saying, look, give it to God every day. Do that. Pray for it every morning. Pray for that person. Pray for them to come back. But then don't let it weigh on you all day. Yeah. Trust yeah. them to the Lord. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever gardened. 
a little bit. So I had a big garden at one point. I don't anymore. Um, but one of the things that, that really stink, and if you, you have land in a garden, uh, is you, you finally figure out how to grow stuff, you know, in the fall, like there's lettuce and cabbage and, you know, all these, you know, fall vegetables and broccoli and cauliflower, whatever. Mm. I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, what's frustrating is it, it starts to grow and, and, and looks lush and beautiful. And then at night, animals come and eat it. You wake up in the morning and it's like your cabbage is like half eaten, you know, because, oh, you know, I don't know, a rabbit, a raccoon, a deer, or whatever came into your garden and just, you know, just had its way, right? Well, then you figure out how to guard the garden. Like you build a fence around it, but you can't like cover it to where it doesn't get sunlight, right? Like it still has to experience life and sunlight and, and the weather and the rain and get, you know, water. But you you put a fence around it, right? You put you know, wire around it so the animals can't get to it. And yet you still can experience the fruit of the garden. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, what do we have in our life that guards us from the enemy? Like, what have we surrounded our life with our hearts and our minds that guard ourselves from the attack of the enemy, the, the, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the sin, all the things that drag us down. And a lot of times what ends up happening when we fall into worry and anxiety uh, our, our sinful habits is we haven't set up good guardrails or, you know, fence posts or, you know, gates around us. And then we, we slip through the cracks, like something ends up happening. We, we, we get attacked. So what St. Paul is saying is you, you got to guard your, your heart, and your mind with prayer, mm -hmm. with fasting, with Thanksgiving, with petition. And we got to guard our life with, with good friends and accountability and, and, you know, the church and the sacraments. And when we begin to build that type of fence around our garden, then our garden grows. It doesn't get eaten by all the things. And we can experience rejoice. Yeah. But you got to choose to rejoice and you got to build the garden of rejoicing is what you're saying. Like, it's not just going to happen on accident. No, and there's nothing more cooler. You walk out, you got like a head of cabbage. You're like, I really grew. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. Right. But there's nothing more defeating. It. Like, I, that grew and like a rabbit just ate half of it. And it, I did and all that work for a rabbit, and it's gone. It's it's mm -hmm. ruined, you know. And so there's nothing. You're you're not admitting defeat by putting a fence around the garden. Mm -hmm. You're being wise and prudent by saying, "Let me put this around there so that it protects it." And in our life, like we got to put the right things around us to safeguard our hearts and minds from the attack of the enemy. From from the culture, from all these things, but we we can't isolate ourselves at the same time. Like we still have to experience the sunlight and the rain. Like we still have to be a bright light in the world, right? Like mm. people need to see the garden, and and like that that needs to be the fruit of our life. But we won't have fruit if we're constantly living in the anxiety that we're dragged into, you know, because we've gotten away from prayer or. Thanksgiving or accountability or good friendships or, you know, the sacraments or, you know, you know, the church, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And one of the hallmarks, one of the fruits, to use the garden analogy further, one of the fruits of Christmas is peace. I mean, the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace comes to us as a babe in Bethlehem, brings peace on earth, right? Glory to God in the highest, peace to people on earth. And so it's no coincidence that what the devil wants to do at this time of year is make everyone anxious as much as possible, to lack peace, to not get along with each other, 
and making Christmas plans as families. We'll get in fights and we'll, you know, there's just like so many opportunities to be anxious Speak and worried and not at peace. <laughs> um, and so as Catholics, you know, we can be heralds of that peace. We can announce that peace. This third Sunday of Advent is a great opportunity to, to remind people that it's about joy and it's about peace and that we're getting ready to welcome this this King of Kings, this Prince of Peace into our life. And so let us put away our anxieties, put away our war, put away our our factions, forgive one another, and build a, a road that is level and smooth for the Lord to come as the Prince of Peace um, that St. Paul is, is exhorting us to live like that year-round, but particularly this time of year. Amen to that. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you guys today. Thanks for listening in on the podcast, on the radio. Appreciate you being part of the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Cock. I'm going to take St. Paul's advice. Which be, which I'm part of his I'm advice? I'm going to be thankful for our listeners. He said to give thanks. Oh. I'm thankful that we benefit from hmm. this conversation you and I have in this little room. Give thanks. That's beautiful. With Paul. a grateful heart. <laughs> Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. Really? Now, you're a musician. Is there a song of Thanksgiving that, that you love to sing? Hmm. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> that you can think of? Uh, Not right now? Not really. I mean, that one's a... a that one brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. Everyone brings, so I would, yeah, I would enjoy singing that one. Hmm. You know, I think the the practice of gratitude is really a powerful thing. You know, there was a point where I did a gratitude journal every day as like a, like a, a prayer thing. Mm -hmm. And it was really good. I, I can't even tell you how many things I ended up thinking about, you know, over the course of whatever, mm -hmm. three or four weeks that I was like, man, you know, but at the same time, it's really difficult because, you know, we can have a tendency to, to be drawn, our attention be drawn to the things that are going bad or negative, you know, and that, that kind of draws us away. I was reading this, um, this new book by Father Jacques Philippe. I don't know if it's new. It's new for me. It's called Fire and Light, Learning to Receive the Gift of God. You know, so it's a, it's a good little book. I've been using it for uh, prayer and you know, I try to read it slow because there's things in there and, and I'm like, oh, that, that's a good point. I need to just, you know, focus on that. Um, but he says this, and I thought this was very interesting. At least it struck me. I want to share it with you. He says, our most urgent need is to increase our faith. Okay. Uh, sometimes I say jokingly that the only real problem in the end is lack of faith. All other problems confronted with faith are not so much problems as occasions of human spiritual growth. Everything is grace, said St. Therese, not long before her death. 
even the worst difficulties lived in faith and hope sooner or later turn to our advantage, disclosing hidden treasures more beautiful and precious than we could have ever devised on our own. The day, he goes on to say, we understand this will mark a great victory. We will be at peace with life. Wow. Yeah. Straight up. I think this constant, you know, we talked about last week on the show, this this constant sort of search, like there's something more out there. And he just draws it back to like the increase of faith, the increase of hope, faith and hope go together. And, and just in, living in that moment and knowing that, that we live with this faith and hope, and this is what Advent is drawing us to, so it's coming full circle, is, is so that we'll have more peace in our life, you know, even in the midst of the anxiety and the worry, the fear, the, the chaos, the, the things that, that don't go our way even, you know. I love that. It reminds me of uh, our Lord asleep on the boat, right, with all the waves and stuff. So they were full of anxiety for good reasons, I guess, good worldly reasons, and they say, well, where's your faith? You know, Mm because if you had faith, even in the midst of all this stuff, there'd be a peace and a calmness. Not that everything's easy, but a peace and a calmness. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we do a six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. So Mm -hmm. we started the episode discussing. So my question for you. Yes, I can't wait for this one. (laughs) If you... um, were asked to participate in some kind of fundraising thing like that. Yeah. Where you had to dress up. I know you don't like to dress up. I don't. Okay. So here's here's the rules. You have to dress up and you have to do some like activity like skiing. What would you actually accept the invitation to do? Like what would you dress up as? And what kind of thing would you actually enjoy doing how, enough to be able to dress up? How many drinks could I have before? As many as you need. <laughs> moderately, you know. To ski. Without killing yourself. Well, it could be skiing, it could be any other activity. Like, what would be cool enough for you to do that you'd be willing to dress up? Because I know you don't like dressing up. I don't. And I don't either. Yeah, I don't do it for Halloween. Yeah. I never have. I, you know, maybe I should start. I don't know. Maybe no, I, no, I, I think you're okay. Loosen up. I like. I don't know. If there's something wrong with me. No, I, not at all. You know what? Whatever. But like, if it was, I think it would have to be a really good cause. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone came to me, tug at my heartstrings, and just said, "We're raising money for St. Jude's, the you know kids who are dying of cancer or recovering or whatever." Mm-hmm. Would you? And I would probably just say yes. <laughs> you know, like nice. Would you? You know, dress up as the Easter Bunny. You know, here's the thing: if I was dressed up, I'd want a mascot head. Nobody knew who I was. Okay. So, so there you go. Okay. Like. Let me just be hidden in the costume. Then I can just do the part. But I don't want to like dress up and be like, oh, look at Paul. Like he's a pirate. So like an Easter bunny costume where you're, you're covered. Yeah. Covered head to toe. Yeah. Or like, yeah, the whole thing, the whole head and everything. It, what um, about Easter bunny football game to raise money for the children? Yeah, if it's a greased football, and that's my idea about football, I think to make it more interesting, <laughs> is that every fifth play we should dip it in oil. Okay. Yeah. A greased football game for the children. Yeah. Dressed like the Easter Bunny. Everyone's dressed like the Easter Bunny. We'd raise a, 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 a ton. You would do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So look, if you're out there, St. Jude's or anywhere else, there's your fundraising idea. Paul will participate. It's got to be tackle, though. There's no flag. <laughs> We're not pulling flags on bunnies. 
We're dirt rolling bunnies. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you, if I'm dressing up, I'm gonna dirt roll another bunny. Oh boy. Yeah. That's it, something. And that's gonna raise money. Love it. And All then, right. And that justifies it. <laughs> Question. <laughs> that justifies it. Question number two. Um, we talked about some uh, hard hitting stories about St. Nicholas, and you mentioned kind of this idea of intentionally um, telling our children about you know the real St. Nicholas and about all the real things about or true things about Christmas. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this balance between like, because you mentioned not isolating ourselves from the world, but this balance between like kind of participating in society, but also changing society. There's always that tension, you know, like participating in the world we live in, but also changing the world we live in. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that dynamic and what you've noticed, particularly around Christmas time, uh, has been successful to participate, but also change. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, if we if we isolate ourselves and we can't be a witness, you know, in a sense, and you know, just uh, you know, we've been able to, you know, a lot of people have just said, you know, what do you guys do for Christmas? You know, what are your traditions? And that gives us the opportunity to just share what we do. Like, I, you know, like I said, you guys do whatever you want, you know. But I think when we talk about, and probably when you talk about, like what you guys do for Christmas, we're not great at it. But it might, it might speak to someone else who who hasn't really thought much about it to be like, oh, like maybe we should be more intentional about focusing on Jesus at Christmas, you know, in Advent. So, you know, when when you put yourself out there in relationships, then you can get asked questions, which is an opportunity to evangelize folks. Right on. All right, question number three, St. Paul's reading this coming Sunday. Rejoice. Um, I know you've worked with a lot of folks that maybe struggle with just being happy. Sometimes people, like, it's just hard to be happy sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to be content. Um, what are some breakthrough ideas that you found resonate with people that struggle with that to choose joy in their life? Like, the- well, I'll go back to the gratitude thing, and, and maybe you do a gratitude journal fasting and so for maybe the season of Lent's coming up or maybe you just take you know two weeks or a month and every day you write what you're grateful for and don't think about anything negative and and then you read that every day and and then you, you're training your mind to to live in this as saint paul was saying like with thanksgiving because we can focus so much on the negativity but we have to virtue is, is a built it, it's a trained discipline right like we, we have to practice it and the more and more we practice it, then then it becomes a, a actually a discipline we live out, right? Mm-hmm. So gratitude is one of those things, and I have to get back to it as well at times. Yeah. All right, question number four. So statistically speaking, Americans, the majority of Americans struggle with anxiety in a way that they'll identify, I struggle with anxiety. And it's on the rise. And it's on the rise, and particularly among young people. Um, what what can be done? What, have you have you had some success stories where you worked with somebody who struggled with anxiety and they, they're able to kind of turn the corner on that? Like what kind of um, messaging? What kind of activities? What what can help a person uh, who struggles with this on a regular basis? Anxiety. I think some things that are good for it, outside of the obvious ones that we've talked about, like growing your spiritual life, taking a retreat, some quiet time. I mean, if you're a younger person, you're kind of learning how to do that, maybe is human relationships, I think, are the most important thing in the sense because the way we we pop out of anxiety 
or shame or whatever is through human interaction, people in our life who just love us and speak truth to us and allow us to be ourselves. I think one of the greatest ways that we're our false self is when we live online. And I think for a lot of young people, and even now adults our age, they spend so much time on social media and the internet that it is, it is a dumpster fire of anxiety. You know, I've never not gotten off a long spout of the internet and be like, man, I feel better about life. <laughs> never. It's never happened. I always feel worse. And so I do think like less and less of that and more and more of reality of human relationships, you know, including obviously our faith in relationship with Jesus, but like we gotta we gotta get away from all that stuff. Question number five, very related to that. So we live at a time where because of social media and other things, um, if we want to be anxious and worried about things, there's so much fuel to that fire wherever we turn around. So if we want to be really worried about COVID, really worried about um, you know, global powers that be, really worry about everything, we could find oh. so much to keep fueling that fire. Um what is that balance between actually being aware of the problems of the world, but also living at the peace of Jesus Christ? I was reading something recently where this woman in an interview said these words, and it hit me. She said, I lost my friend to conspiracy theories online. And she literally lost a friendship. Like the, like the woman just never recovered. has hmm. never come back. And I remember thinking, that, like, we could get so lost on the interwebs and in rabbit holes that we, we lose ourselves. And the thing that keeps us in reality is our faith relationship with Christ, the sacraments, human interaction and community and real people. The, the, I think the internet, you know, can, can suck us in and, and there's good things that happen. You know, I mean, we get rid of a lot of anxiety because we can do all our shopping on the internet and don't have to go to all the stores and we're done with it. Boom. And it mm-hmm. shows up at our doorstep and we're like focused more on Advent than we ever have. Right? Like, yay. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, that's like the biggest discipline we all have to build in is the discipline to put it down and get off of there. Nice. All right. Question number six. You brought up Father Jacques Philippe's book. Um, what's the title again? Fire and Light Learning to Receive the Gift of God. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about spiritual reading. So for Advent, there's a lot of things we can do, but what is the value of books like this? You know, um, for people that maybe aren't used to doing this type of reading where you just take a book, like you said, reading it slowly, letting it sit in. What value does that bring to your life and to your, your Christian walk? There's some really wise people who are, you know, you know, not only living the life, but they quote a lot of saints and people who have lived the Christian life, you know, and there's times, you know, we, we might not know where to go in scripture or the scripture readings aren't hitting us in prayer. So always like to have, some type of backup spiritual reading, you know, in a sense, it's going to be like, oh, this is really good for my prayer time. So I, I like to identify books like this that I have on me or with me for my prayer time. And so I might sit with the gospels and, or the readings or the second reading, like we talked about, and it's just like, man, this is, this is awesome. And there may be times where it's like, this doesn't really resonate with me. And so I have this book, open it up to where I last left off, read a little bit. It's like, man, this is really good. So I, I, I kind of like hat like to have both, you know, and, and just let the Lord lead me in prayer specifically with what he's trying to draw me into. Sweet. So uh, actually, you know, not to promote Father Jacques Philippe, but to promote he's got just a lot of short, just uh, easy spiritual reads, like, I don't know, 10, mm-hmm. 12, 15 books. I, I don't really know how many. 
that are that are great um, and, and uh, good for for a period of time. I I personally suggest that it's not a book that you just read cover to cover in like two sittings because then it's just like you miss out on like what's there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, great show, man. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for teaching me about slapping people today, hitting people, and then we totally got into yeah, slapping dirt Santa rolling Easter bunnies. I mean, I, <laughs> it's never a dull moment here on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening in the podcast and radio show. Really appreciate you being a part of the show, and we'll be back next week. Thank you.